0: Hey, Junior here. Thanks for hitting play. You know, God is working all around you, even today. But so often, we fail to miss God right in front of our face. It's a tragedy every single time. We should talk about that. Stick with. Well, every three weeks, I, I sit down with a guy. He's a generation older than me. Uh, he's my friend. Uh, I think he's my friend. He makes me pay him money, and he calls himself a therapist. But, you know... Semantics, uh, but anyway, last year I was I was talking to him about just some stuff going on and you know trying to sift through um, getting an outsider's perspective. And at one point, he just stopped me mid sentence and he said something that really took me back, and I didn't like hearing it. He said, "Junior, sometimes I think you miss God right in front of your face." And again, I didn't like hearing that because I'm a pastor. I should notice God working around me. Like, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be able to tell where God is working and moving. Like, I should be sensitive to that. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, now he's right. Like, too often, God has shown me something or he's pushed me to do something, and I miss it because I'm distracted or I'm trying to force something or what he has for me isn't what I had in my head. Have you ever experienced that? We've hit our last week of our series, Who is Jesus?, tracing the footsteps that changed the world. We've been in this series for 16 weeks, and I can't shake the sneaking suspicion that some of us are still missing Jesus. You struggle with the same thing that I struggle with. Well, yeah, you're a church, or you go to a small group, and you know, maybe you volunteer, and that's awesome, but I wonder if you're still missing Jesus. Like God is prompting you to something. God is showing you something. He's working on something in your life but you're going throughout your days, you're going throughout your weeks just completely oblivious to it. Like, what if? I and mean, this would be a tragedy, but what if God is up to something in your life, but you're completely missing it? See, today we wrap up this series with a seven-mile walk. Seven miles, a seven-mile walk that could drastically change how you're walking with God. I hope you brought your walking shoes because we're going for it. Luke chapter 24 is Luke chapter 24. four. really encourage you to grab a Bible. we got Bibles in the chairs. It's page 885 in those Bibles. Otherwise, I know a lot of people use their phones, tablets. We have the Bridge app. We have the Bible and notes on there. And what's nice about having the Bible on your phone is if I get really boring, you can just kind of switch over to something else. No, I know you don't do that, right? Let me pray, and we'll jump right into this. God, I thank you so much for your word, and I thank you for your church. I thank you for what you are doing. God, I pray for really all of us who've walked into this room who might have some sort of calluses on our hearts from different parts of our life, and we're missing your work, missing you right in front of our face. God, I pray that you soften our hearts, that you break down those walls. You want this fresh new relationship with us, and you want us to leave experiencing that. So God, I ask that you break down those walls, those barriers that we have in our own hearts, and may you speak to us. You will speak to us, God. I ask that we listen, that we eliminate all distractions that we have from this past week or that we have going on this afternoon or this next week, the things that we need to tie up at work. May you really hone us into what you have for us today, reminding us that this is the most important part of our week as we gather together with your church and hear from Dad. And so we, we we pray for that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there is, there's nothing like springtime in Jerusalem. Like the warm air of Jerusalem with a crisp breeze at homes, and you probably did this yesterday, but homes open up their windows to invite the fresh air in. It just feels so it feels so pure. And gardens are around the city near full bloom with birds feeding their young. The roads leading into the mountain city are just picturesque, with olive orchards lining the road and fig trees and meadows that for a short period of time right now will boast green. And it's this feeling that the city of Jerusalem is celebrating today, the the celebration of first fruits. And as the city gathers together in the temple, many Jesus followers, peppered throughout Jerusalem, throw their bags over their shoulder and walk out the gate. Oh, the first food celebration happening in the temple that's fun we love that but not not today because in one of the blooming gardens around the city lies their rabbi and buried with their rabbi is their hopes and their dreams they just don't feel like celebrating today and so they set foot on one of those picturesque roads leading out of the city back home we catch up with two people who are just on their trek back home. They got a later start to their trip that they had hoped for, but they're hoping to reach home by dinnertime. And this is where we join them. Grab your walking shoes. This is where Luke brings us in, verse 13. It says, that very day, the day of the resurrection, so we're still, we talked about last week, the resurrection, we're still on that day. That very day, two of them two of them. Now, early traditions, some church fathers write that these two are probably family members of Jesus. So they're like cousins of Jesus or in-laws of Jesus. We don't know. Maybe. Uh, we don't know who these two people are. Even more than that, the original language here in verse 13, the pronoun isn't gender specific. So it could, have been, it could have been two guys. could have been a guy and a girl, like a couple. We have no idea. Now, we do know that one of them is a guy. And we're going to meet him later on, on on the walk. But we just see this two Jesus followers. Doesn't name who they are. We're going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So seven, uh, Emmaus is about seven miles uh, just west of Jerusalem. Apparently, Jordan and I drove through Emmaus and had no idea. Uh, we're not even quite sure that that was the original Emmaus. It's just this tiny little insignificant town. There's not much archaeology there because during its time it was insignificant. And this is just like Jesus, isn't it? Most of Jesus' life was spent in these insignificant little towns. Like He was born in Little Bethlehem. He was raised in tiny Nazareth. Uh, He he headquartered his ministry in no-name Capernaum, just like a little fishing village. And now, the afternoon after his resurrection, single greatest event in history, he leaves the big city for a small town. I find that a very interesting decision. He doesn't head to the temple, crash the festival, walk up to the religious leaders. Nice try, boys. He doesn't nominate himself for, like, you know, an Oscar for Best Resurrection. He doesn't pay heralds to run throughout the city announcing what he just did. Instead, he just quietly decides, eh, they'll know sooner or later, I'm going to take a walk to some no-name town with two no-name people on some no-name road. Verse 14. And as these two were talking with each other about the things that had happened... Now the original language is a bit is a bit more descriptive. Uh, Luke writes they were literally piecing piecing things together. So it's just that whole idea of like, well, I heard this this week, and yeah, well, I heard this. Well, and then and then this happened. I think that is connected to that. They're trying to get the full story because as they walk into Emmaus, like the whole town, they're gonna want to know what just happened in Jerusalem. We're hearing things. What just, you were there in Jerusalem? What just happened? But they're still kind of fuzzy on all the details. So as they're walking home, they're piecing all these things together. Verse fifteen. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Now, let me just be, be Jesus' publicist for a second. Jesus, you don't have time for this. Single greatest event in human history just happened this morning. People are trying to figure it out back in Jerusalem. For the rest of history, people are gonna be sitting down and, and studying what just happened this morning. Why are you on a walk to some no-name town with these two no-name people? Like, you're fresh out of the tomb. We need to get you with, like, who's who. We need to get you on some sort of show to announce where you just, what, what just happened. Like, let's get you into the temple. Festival is going on. They're talking about new life. Perfect time to announce, hey, check out this new life. People will go nuts over that. Like, we're wasting time. You have a movement to promote. We need to, like, get on social media, boomerang you walking out of, of the tomb or something. Maybe get you on TikTok, you know, exterminator on back and those thug-like glasses fall over your face. Like, come on, I got a billion better ideas than listening to these two. Why are you doing this? And I think he would say something like, because these two people are what this movement is all about. These two people will push the movement further. This is not some trend that I'm starting. This is not some fad that I just got into. I didn't rise to become some shallow influencer. This is about people, seemingly insignificant people with an extremely significant God who cares for them and came for them. Everything Jesus does, preaches If We're just on a walk. Verse 16, but their eyes were kept from recognizing them. To which at this point, we look at this and go, what a bunch of idiots. They're, they're talking about the guy, and he's right there. How do you not see him? He's right there, and you're talking about him. But it's not just these two. This verse describes so many people. It's me when my counselor said to me, Junior, it's obvious that God is doing something here, but you're complaining about it because it's not what you have in your head. Are you kidding me? God's right there. And I venture to say that was, this was you at some point this week. Walking through a part of your life, trying to figure things out, you know, trying to do things on your own, piece things together like these two, force things, and God is right there doing something great, and we just completely miss it. Like, these two might seem like idiots, but come on, then what does that make us? We're so loving around here. Verse 17. And Jesus said to them, what is this conversation that you are having with each other as you walk? (laughs) Are you picturing this? You're still on the walk, right? No, wandering off the trail. we got to stay on the road. Here we have, we have Jesus. Jesus. Jesus Christ. Fresh out of the grave. Jesus Christ. Before the foundations of the world were laid. He was there. He knows the intent of every human heart. He knows the number of hairs on your head. Everything was created by him and for him. In him all things hold together. He is preeminent. He is supreme. And he walks up and says, what you two talking about? Like he doesn't know. And I love how Luke puts the next phrase, and they stood still looking sad. They stood still and sad. God is doing something incredible right in front of their face. He just reclaimed authority over the earth. He's bringing salvation. Hell is just defeated. Heaven is roaring. Sin has been paid for. The resurrection just happened. And there they stood still looking sad. And again, these two represent you and me. God is active all around us. God is moving in your life. He's running up the score. He's revealing himself. He's working things in your life. Yet so often we stand still. Let's take this another level deeper. Some of us have slowed our walk with Jesus. Our walk with Jesus is sad. And it wasn't always like that. You know, when you first committed your life to Jesus Christ, like, you were all in, and it was exciting, and you were ready to, like, storm hell with a water pistol, like, bring it on. This new life in Christ was fresh. It was everything to, to you. You were serving, you were giving, you were singing loud. You weren't just, like, walking with Jesus. You were running with Jesus. But somewhere along the line, that walk turned, or that run turned into a walk. And for whatever reason, that walk turned into a crawl, maybe even a stop. And we all have our reasons why. We all had kids, you know? COVID. The church isn't doing whatever I think the church should do. Life got busy. But at the end of the day, your head hits the pillow, and you know, you know, those excuses don't hold any water. And you feel like you're missing Jesus. And your walk with him isn't what it should be. And then to make matters worse, you run into those Christians who are, like, all pumped, right? Like, maybe even, like, freakishly excited about what God is doing in their life. Like, they seem to have this, like, adventurous walk with God. And, you know, it's like god they're seeing God work weekly in their lives. And, and, you, and you talk to them, and you're like, hey, hey, nice. But you walk away, you just kind of chalk it up to, well, they're new, right? So it's like newlyweds, okay? They'll, they'll fizzle at some point, you know? Or they're just more emotional. I'm just kind of built different. But you walk away, and part of you kind of wants what they have. Because you can't remember the last time you said something like, "Wow, I can't believe what God is doing right now." This is incredible. Can't believe, I can't remember the last time I said that. And today Jesus wants to address that yearning in our heart. Verse 18, says, "Then one of them named Cleopas, Cleopas, who's this guy? Not sure. John tells us that one woman who came to the cross as Jesus died. John describes her as the wife of Cleopas, uh, and maybe, maybe this is her husband. Uh, Cleopas always a common name. Some people believe that, that Jesus had a, an uncle named Cleopas. Joseph's brother's name is Cleopas, so there's like Uncle Cleopas. Maybe it's, I don't know. Who, whoever this guy is, Cleopas says, are you the only visitor Jer- to Jerusalem who does not know the things that happened there these last days? Like, come on, man, you, you were just in Jerusalem, and you're asking us what just happened? Like, what kind of weekend did you have, bro? How much wine did you have at Passover? This is the front page. How are you asking us this question? And Jesus plays along, verse 19. He said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man, now this is, look at this, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. Now notice the past tense verb there. This is very interesting. Um, Was. If you circle or underline in your Bible, circle that word was. This is a good way to, to study scripture. Um, by the way, it's a really good habit to have circling or making notes in your Bible have huge benefits. The word of God is our guide. The word of God is our final authority. We're to pour over it. We're to memorize it. We're, we're, to, we're to study this. And so making little notes or highlights, that's just like what we do. Some people see it as sacrilegious. I don't. I see that as like, no, we care about this. And so we make little notes. Because I said, it's also fun to like come back later, you know, years later. And you're like, you see that little note. and You're like, oh, yeah, now I remember that. It's even better if you have kids and your kids pick up your Bible one day and be like, wow, look how much dad or look how much mom highlighted and marked in their Bible. They really love their Bible. It's kind of like what Spurgeon wrote. Spurgeon wrote, a Bible that's falling apart belongs to a person whose life isn't. A person whose Bible is falling apart, their life isn't falling apart because they're in this. And so let's, let's mark things. Let's like make little notes. Let's highlight because we're students of this. And the word was, in verse 19, it's a very good word to underline. We're going to come back to it, but um, that's a good, that's a good uh, word, word to focus on. And we actually see that play out even in these next few verses, because look at verse, verse 20, Cleopas continues, and he says, And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped, hoped, past tense, that he was, past tense, the one, who, the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, It is now the third day since these things have happened. So not only did our rabbi die, but his death didn't spark anything that we were thinking it would spark. There's no revolution. There's no reform. There's no riots, nothing. So Rome is still in power. The religious leaders are still doing what the religious leaders have done forever. Nothing has changed. Feels like all of this for nothing. What we had in our head didn't happen. Verse 22, moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning uh, verse 22 is another clue. You can mark that again. We'll come back to that in a little bit. But verse 22, verse 23. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen the vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him we did not see. So the women are telling us one thing. I don't know. Either way, it doesn't really matter because again, nothing has changed. So whatever we're moving on. We're going home. And now Jesus speaks up. He's been quiet this whole time. He's been hearing them tell Jesus about Jesus. And now he's going to speak up. Verse 25. You're still with, right? We're almost to Emmaus. No breaks. Home stretch. Here we go. Verse 25. And he said to them, actually look at this. He said to them, Oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all of the prophets have spoken. I looked at this verse in like Greek to see, like, okay, come on, Jesus can't be like this mean, right? And you look at the original Greek, it's almost even more mean. Like Jesus says, you guys lack your head and you lack your heart. You don't understand and you don't believe. You're talking like you know the full story. What happened back there? You have no idea. And I wonder how many of us Jesus is saying the same thing to. You lack head and you lack heart. You don't know the whole story about your child. You don't know the whole story about your marriage. You don't know the whole story about that situation, about your country, about your school, about your company. You've come to this conclusion. You've written everything else off. You've come to this conclusion, but you have no idea. God is doing something. Something is brewing, but you can't see it because you think you have it all figured out. So here you are going throughout your life just going, well, that's my marriage. That's my career. That's just the country I live in. That's just my, you fill in the blank. And with that heart and head, you're not going to see anything. And it takes Jesus to shake us out of that. Jesus continues, verse 26. Was it not necessary that Christ would suffer these things and enter into his glory? And verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Oh, I wish I could have been here to hear this. I mean, come on. coolest Bible study ever. Imagine Jesus in your small group. How awesome would that be? Like the study part, incredible. Accountability part, maybe not so much because you can't get anything past him. But here, Jesus takes Scripture, Old Testament, and he methodically connects Old Testament to himself. Something we have to understand, this this is a big deal. This is all about Jesus. All about Jesus. Now, there's so much in here that we need to study. There is tons and tons of application that we are to pour over to learn how to live godly lives, uh, how, to, how to live holy lives, how to live set apart. That's what this tells us how to do that. That's why every week we go, okay, what does scripture say? How does this intersect with our lives? So all of that in here, there's history in here. There's, there's poetry in here. There's prophecy in here. There's beautiful stuff in here, but all of that is secondary to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And this is what Jesus is doing. So again, put yourself on on the road. There they are. They're walking west toward the setting sun in front of them. And Jesus is methodically connecting scripture to himself. I imagine he starts with Adam. You know, the first Adam sinned. But the Messiah atoned for sin. Uh, The first Adam sinned at a tree. The Messiah died for sin at a tree. Uh, The first Adam caused the ground to yield thorns. But the Messiah wore a crown of thorns. The first Adam got you kicked out of a garden, but the Messiah rose in a garden. The Messiah is a better Adam. Or then there's Moses, uh, Moses who struck the rock, the rocks, so that the Israelites could drink water. The Messiah was struck so that. Man can have living water. Or Moses lifted up, lifted up the bronze serpent to heal the people of the venom in their bodies. The Messiah was lifted up on a cross to heal the sin in our spirit. He's the better Moses. Or you guys remember Jonah? Yeah, we remember Jonah. Yeah, well, Jonah spent three days in the belly of a fish. The Messiah spent three days in the belly of the grave. The Messiah is the better Jonah. And just on and on and on and on and on throughout scripture as the sun begins to set in front of them. Wish I could have been there. And finally they get to the little town of Emmaus. It's coming to view. Verse twenty-eight. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if they were going to go. Fur- he was going to go further, but they urged him strongly, saying, "Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent." So they're thinking it's going to get dark. It's dangerous when you're, you know, out there in the dark. They have no idea they're with the light of the world. But they're saying, "Just come with us." So they so he went to stay with them. Verse thirty. When he sat at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. So a lot of commentators like to argue, you know, how do they recognize Jesus? We don't know. Maybe it was they saw the holes in his wrists and when he broke the bread or maybe it's just the way he broke bread he just kind of did that in the way like only Jesus broke bread that way or maybe it's how he prayed like they're thinking this is how Jesus taught us to pray like he's like right on and then just like clicked but as soon as it clicked Jesus was gone and in verse 32 they said to each other did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road while he opened up scripture that was incredible how did we not see God in that moment and I've asked myself the same thing before. I'll go throughout like a difficult season. You know, lots of decisions to make. Things are kind of like up in the air, like big life decisions. And, he, and and it's very stressful. And it's not until years later I look back and I go, okay, wow. Like God pieced all that together. Like he opened that door and he shut that door. He did this. This is That was incredible. I didn't see it then, but now I see it. Like isn't it? true sad but true that it's easier to see god in our past harder to see him in the present i hate that but it's just true so many of us live our spiritual lives through the rear view mirror as we drive our car and driving our car freaking out about the road ahead where's my next turn all these bumps periodically though we look through the rear view mirror and we think oh but god did something back there that was cool you know, and that was, that, was that, that door that he opened there and the door he said, that was pretty cool. But oh uh, no, nope, here we are, construction, potholes, fork in the road, what am I gonna do? And it's as if every mile we travel, we think God stopped back there at the last mile. That was really cool what God did back there. Not looking for what he's doing right here. And so we're stressed and we're sad and, and we're scared. But if you're anything like me, it just, it gets even worse. When God does do something in our present We tend to react to that with stress. God closes a door in our life and opens a new door, clear direction, but we freak out. "Eh, That's not what I had in my head. And so instead of like being spiritually rejuvenated by the work of God around us, as we pray to God and ask for direction, he closes and he opens doors, we get stressed. We even get salty about it because that's not what I was thinking. It's just like these two in the text. They went through the most incredible weekend in history. They were right there in the city for the pinnacle of human history. These two saw the weekend as a curse, and yet it became the greatest blessing in history. And in the same way, I wonder how many of us were doing the same exact thing. We're seeing certain situations in our life as curses, just writing it off. And God is saying, whoa, hold on, I'm doing something there. Can you give me a little space? To to work in something like that, stop writing it off and moving on. I bet there's an area of your life that is a road to Emmaus. It might be a family issue. It might be a work issue. It might be a marital thing. There's a road to Emmaus in your life. You're walking through the situation that you hate and you're stressed and you're sad and you're angry, completely unaware of the potential of God right there with you working something. And it begs the question, okay, so then what do we do? I don't want to do that. How do we keep that from happening? How do we position ourselves to see God around us more in the present? How do we position ourselves to see God around us more? I don't want to just live my life experiencing God through my rearview mirror. Like, I want to see him in the present. Well, three things, and they come straight from the text. Here's how we position ourselves to see God more. And this right here, I'm not just, like, I'm not overstating this. This right here could be the catalyst for a fresh spiritual life, a fresh spiritual life that you've been craving. To see God more in the now, number one, focus on what is. Focus on what is. Um, There's a couple past tense verbs that we underlined in the text, isn't there? Like, you go back to verse 19. He was a prophet. Verse 21, he was going to redeem Israel. Like, these two were living in the was. He was this. He was this. He was going to do this. Meanwhile, the tomb is empty. There is talk of resurrection, but they can't grasp that because they're still in the was. And some of us are right there. Like, when is the last time you talked about what God is doing right now? When's the last time you sat down and wondered, what is God up to? Because God is up to something. What is he up to right now? We fail to talk and think like that but what God is currently up to because we're not even looking for it. And often the reason we're not looking for it is because we're focused on the was. Some of us aren't seeing what God is doing right now because we're just living in the past. It's so easy to get nostalgic, isn't it? Just kinda of get stuck in the past. A lot of people hang out with, uh, f- man, a few people in my life, like, when, I, when I hang out with them, I just know like we're just gonna talk about what was, like the good old days, how things were churches, I don't mean to church bash because there's enough church bashers out there, but like churches can easily turn into museums of the past. You walk in, it's just all they talk about is what was, not what God is up to currently in their community and how they can be part of that. Instead, they're just talking about what was. No, no, no. We have all eternity to look back on what was. Why don't we live in what is? Let's keep on living the story that God is writing. I have a banner in my dining room that says, these are the good old days. It's my favorite banner. It's this constant reminder every morning and every evening, live what God is up to right now, like today. The people God is putting in your life today, not yesterday, today. The age of my kids today, the work that God has given me today. I don't want to look back on today as the good old days. Like I want to enjoy them right now. So was can keep us from what is, but also, and I think this is a a bigger one for, for most of us, what could be keeps us from what is. Some of us aren't enjoying what God is up to right now, the activity of his church, what God is doing in your family, the people that God is bringing into your life, because we've just turned into a bunch of critics. Just always talking about how things could be and should be. It's like a couple couple years ago, I was in the lobby after church. We had this incredible weekend service and 50 some people decided in the moment to get baptized. You think about that. They walked into the church service not planning to get baptized. They'd never been baptized before. And just like on the spot, they decide, okay, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus's request and I'm going to get baptized. And it was like, God did something incredible. It was awesome. So I'm out in the lobby. I'm like celebrating with like the families who had you know, family members who get baptized, celebration, like everywhere. When this person comes behind me, taps on my shoulder and proceeds to give me this list of everything they thought was wrong with the service. Like, well, the music was just like all too loud in song number two and uh, sermon per usual was not what I would have said. And just like on and on and on down their list. And so midway through, I just like stopped. I was like, oh, wait, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. 50 some people just profess their faith in Jesus Christ publicly. Did you see that? Well, yeah. What do you, whoa, what do you mean? Well, yeah. The like, eternities were just changed. God is moving powerfully. This is the stuff that churches plead with God for. This person couldn't enjoy it because it was just all, oh, well, 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 it could be. And maybe that sounds like an extreme example, but I think I'm very, very guilty of doing the same thing. How often do we all get in the car or sit down at the table and just criticize this and that? It's just like our go-to convo: These friends and those coworkers and the church and politics and news. And, wah, 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 wah. Illinois! <laughs> oh, oh, now you're all like, oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah, I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> I'm not saying we should never address anything around us, but so many of us are just living there. And it's all we feel comfortable talking about. And, and again, I'm, I'm not, I'm preaching, I'm preaching myself here. This conversation with my wife the other night, we, we were making dinner together and I was just whining about every little thing, Illinois, Illinois, Illinois. And at some point it just kind of like hit me, am I going to really miss walking with God better because I'm stuck in Illinois? Is that really how this is going to go? Like, what, what's worse here? Living in Illinois or completely missing God because I'm just don't like what's going on around me? The quickest way to turn your walk with Jesus Christ into a crawl or a stop is criticizing. And I bet that's happening for more than a few of us because we just revert to it. If you want to see what God is up to right now? Focus on What is? Replace all that critiquing with encouragement. Ah, this is the time and this is the place God has put you. I know you don't want to hear this, but Illinois 2022 is where God has put you right now. So do something. Stop criticizing. Let's just be a light. We're not going to be a light if we're just going to be criticizing. Focus on what is. The people God has placed in your life right now. The community that God has put around you to impact, the lost around you, the light that we are. This is where we are. such a time as this. God is up to something right now. God has to do something in the is. We should be borderline obsessed with finding that. Number two. Want to position yourself to see God better? Listen to those that God has put in your life. So going back to uh, verse twenty four. How different would it have been if? How different would this story look really if these two travelers, instead of, instead of just going based off their emotions, they had listened to the two eyewitnesses who told them they saw an angel and the angels have said Jesus had risen. If they had believed that and followed that reality, how different would the story have been? Well, instead of walking back to Emmaus, they would be running back to Emmaus to tell everybody, hey, we didn't see it yet, but just believe it, Jesus has risen. Okay, well, now that's a very different story. But they didn't listen to the people God has placed in their life. And for whatever reason, maybe it's just too hard to believe. I personally think they didn't listen because during this time, uh, women um, just weren't listened to as much. And they just didn't want to hear it from the people that God has placed in life. There are people God has placed into our life who are speaking to us, but oftentimes we don't want to listen to them because they aren't necessarily our vibe. I think that's what happened here. The same thing happens with us. God puts people in our life, godly peers, seasoned people, wise older people, but come on, how often do we not even go to them for help? Seek help, or even listen to them. So, meanwhile, our marriage isn't going well, but you know we're not going to take the opportunity to be with the people of God and let them speak into our life. So we walk in here going, "Marriage is kind of a drag," but I'm not going to that marriage conference. Are you kidding? I'm not. You didn't even consider it. But you're going to walk out of here feeling like your marriage is a wreck. Okay, well, you're not going to see God work in your marriage if you're not going to listen to the people God has placed in your life. Or another one is we have no idea what we're doing as parents. And what I always find funny is like, we have no idea what we're doing as parents, but don't you tell me how to parent my kids. <laughs> we wonder if we should date or marry that person. And God puts someone in our life, a very precious person to have that difficult conversation and say, no, it's not good for you, but we buck it. No. Or financially, we're just a mess, but we're not willing to take that class on finances and be mentored by that. See, the moment we stop listening to the people God has placed in our lives is the moment we begin to miss God all around us. God places people in your life for a reason because that's often where he speaks through so it's like every Wednesday every Wednesday I sit down with our speakers across our campuses and our worship leaders as well and we go over like the plan of the weekend and I present like okay here's what we're going to do with sermon you know we talk through all that so guys here's the plan and uh, there have been times where I'll just be slaughtered junior that makes no sense junior you're an idiot Junior, I disagree with that. Junior, that sounds, like, really dumb. And for a while, I would just, like, fight it. And I would argue, and I'd get all offended and hurt. Like, I spent hours on this, guys. What does Hayden know? Hayden. Jordan is just, you know, well, Jordan. My dad's just old. And so I just walk out of there. Like, I got no better than these guys. Until I realized, you know, this is how God's going to speak to me. God's going to speak to me through Jordan. And God's going to speak to me through Hayden. And God's going to speak to me through my dad. Like as much as I want this awesome spiritual picture, of, like being on my knees and God gives me this message, like this special revelation to put on my heart to to preach. And I'm not saying that it's never happened, but more often than not, it's through people God has placed in my life to just kick me around and, and keep me accountable and push me. And it hurts and it sucks. But the moment I stop leaning into that is the moment I begin to lose sight of God's hand in my life. And the exact same thing is true with you. God places leaders over us. God places godly friends with us. He's placed seasoned mentors in our midst. Wise generations who have done what we're trying to do, and he guides through them. You want to see God work, listen to the people around you. Lean into that. I know it's not as sexy. A lot of times we want to live our Christian life like, you know, I'm some spiritual maverick just leaning on the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit speaks to the people that he places in your life. So start listening to the people that he's placed in your life. Third way to position yourself to see God work around you, and this might seem elementary, but go with me. Is go deeper in Scripture. Jesus tells these two in verse 27. He's like, come on, guys, look at Scripture. You just missed what God did in Jerusalem because you haven't gone deep enough in Scripture. And then Jesus takes them deeper. And for a lot of us, we're missing God around us because we're not hearing him speak through this. Instead, what happens is we just kind of settle for where we're at. I'll just kind of, you know, I'll read some Scripture when I, when I remember. I'm not going to try to memorize Scripture. I'm not going to learn what it's like to meditate on Scripture. I'm not going to study Scripture. I'm not going to pick up some good books to help me unpack Scripture. Like I'm just... I'm just going to get into this as much as I can. I, I'll, I'll know enough to get by. And I wonder if God is saying to you, if you just go deeper in my word, I'll blow your mind this week. I'll rejuvenate you. But you need to press in more. The moment you stop pressing into God's word is the moment your walk with God turns into this crawl and you start missing him all around you. You want to position yourself to see God better. Focus on what is. What is. Lean into the people God has placed in your life and get deeper into scripture. Every morning, uh, I wake up and the first app I open on my phone, it should be the Bible, confession time, it's not. The first app I open on my phone, uh, and I do read scripture every morning, but the first app I open on my phone uh, shows me pictures that I took from years ago. So, like, this morning, you know, I woke up, same thing, woke up this morning, first app, and, uh, you know, I'm looking at these pictures that I took from, like, years ago. So, like, this is my daughter, Nora, my middle child, Nora. Seven years ago today, she got her contact put in her eye. And I'm looking at that, I'm like, Ugh. You know, I look at the next picture, it's like, this is Reese, three years ago. I was like, ah, she doesn't look like that now. Or this is, you know, this is Madison, six years ago, you took this picture. And it's the worst. You know, I'm just like laying in bed, like start each morning kind of emotional, like looking at these pictures of my kids when they're little. You know, it's like, come on, they're little nuggets. Yeah. So fun to cuddle. So it just kind of hits me like, I don't look like this anymore. The same thing every morning. And then, I, you know, I put my phone down. I go make breakfast for them. And they come out of their room a lot bigger than the pictures I just saw of them. And uh, they run, they hug me, and we sit down at the table. And my emotion kind of changes. Because I'm reminded Oh, I love now, too. Now's pretty cool, too. Like, no diapers. That's awesome. And there's less crying. And there's no spit up. And I can enjoy this awesome conversation that I'm having with them over breakfast. Like, now's pretty awesome, too. Like, five years ago today, fun day to remember. But today could be even better. Today is the good old day, so to speak. And I wonder if God's saying the same thing to you. Hey, I'm doing something today. I'm working on something today in your life. It's pretty precious. I don't want you to just enjoy it through the rearview mirror in the future someday. I want you to enjoy it today. It's like my favorite quote in The Office is uh, Andy. Toward the end of uh, The Office, he, he said, I wish there was a way to know you were in the good old days before you actually left them. I love that. There is a way. And Today, our, our Father is saying to you, come on, let's make today special. I'm doing something. I haven't stopped. I'm doing something. I'm doing something here. I'm putting people in your life. and putting opportunities all around you. I'm working. Are you going to look for it and capitalize on it and, and enjoy it? Or like these two in the text, are you going to one day come to your senses and realize that you mainly experience God through the rearview mirror, could we have missed him back there thanks again for listening if you enjoyed the podcast would you give it a share it goes a long way also don't forget to subscribe if you haven't yet hey god has something for you today go after it blessings